What's going on, guys? We've had a really fun and successful January. Uh, excited about this last episode of January going into February. Uh, again, February is our very first RTP Virtual Coaches Summit. Uh, we're bringing together 14 different coaches from across the nation, uh, unbelievably great football coaches. Uh, we've got four offense, four defense, two special teams, two strength coaches, and two head coaches to talk to you guys about leadership. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's absolutely free. Go to our website. Uh, go to the virtual summit. Sign up for your free ticket. Uh, see all of it live. And then we've also got the option that you guys can get the all-access pass. Uh, what that'll do is that'll give you all access to all of these videos, 24-7 um, access, uh, open forever, that you guys will be able to watch these videos over and over. Uh, and I'm telling you guys, they are awesome. But if you go and watch them live, you can watch them one time live, and, and uh, very good videos too. We'll have two coaches on every night, starting February 18th to the 24th. Uh, until we've got all these episodes out or all these uh, presentations out for you guys. They're really awesome and can't wait to show them to you guys. And so uh, we're excited about that. You guys make sure and go sign up for that. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, Broken Arrow and Ankeny, invested in Guardian Caps this year. We feel they're helping our guys. They're soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, they're actually a lot more affordable uh, probably than you guys would think, so go check them out at guardiancaps.com. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website, enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Garrett Hudson. Garrett is currently still playing tight end for the Atlanta Legends of the AAFL, and he was the Washington Redskins as well. He also was a tight ends coach at his alma mater, Heritage High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Listen as we talk with Coach Hudson about his playing career as a tight end, learning and playing with some of the best tight ends and coaches in the NFL, and how to coach and implement multiple tight end sets in your offense and in the red zone. You can follow Coach Hudson on Twitter at G underscore Hudson 89. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, so, um, you know, I started off playing football, uh, you know, pretty young, but didn't really, you know, have a love for it until um, kind of after my senior year of high school, I didn't really take it too seriously in high school. I wanted to be a basketball player and, um, you know, it didn't, didn't, uh, didn't start consistently in high school, but I, you know, I heard that I should go to some camps. So I went to some local camps, um, uh, you know, being from Raleigh, North Carolina, I went to, you know, NC state and North Carolina and, and Duke and, you know, those schools like that. And I ended up getting the, the chance to walk on at the university of North Carolina. Um, and, you know, I, you know, tried to try to get some playing time there and it just wasn't working out for me. And they ended up moving me to, from receiver to tight end. So 
Um, I figured, you know, if they already moved me uh, to a different position and, and, and weren't playing me, I, I probably should try and go elsewhere because I was really uh, itching to get on the field. So I transferred to the University of Richmond, um, got a scholarship there, and, and uh, ended up starting for about two and a half years and, and broke all the, the records for, for tight ends at the school. And then uh, from there, I signed a, a pro contract, a free agent contract with the Redskins and spent the, uh, this past offseason and, and preseason with them. And, um, you know, unfortunately got released in, in September and uh, haven't, haven't heard anything or, or had any interest since then. But, um, you know, just, just working out and, and coached coach some high school ball in the fall, which was, was a lot of fun. And, you know, I've always wanted to be a, a, a football coach. So, you know, I'm kind of in a, a weird limbo right now where I'm trying to, uh, you know, see if I can get any opportunities to play somewhere while also trying to, to kickstart a coaching career. So it's, it's, it's very interesting, but I'm, I'm enjoying the process. Uh, there's no doubt. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, aren't aware of is, is kind of that, like you said, it's like a limbo. Uh, I kind of, not to that degree, but somewhat went through the same thing. Uh, had an agent, was, was working out. Uh, getting ready for the the um, free agency and and uh, but also kind of knew that there's a you know even if I do get picked up okay now maybe I go through the summer and then I get cut at the end of the summer now it's um, you know the beginning of a school year now who's going to want or beginning of a football season who's going to be able to pick me up and, and give me a job to pay for my family you know so you're in this weird limbo or what are you going to do here and, and like you said you're trying to work out but then you're also trying to uh, you know, work a job and, and hope that your employer or your, you know, the guy you're working for uh, is, is um, understands that you're still trying to do this part of your life, but you're also wanting to set yourself up to be a coach. And so it can be a, um, I'm sure as you know, going through it right now, an extremely uh, stressful time as far as just not knowing even, you know, what direction are you going to go to? And then, like you said, you got to be, especially if you make it all the way to September, you got to be now uh, ready to go at any point that anyone calls you in the year. You know, a, a couple of tight ends go go down with season-ending injuries in, in the NFL, you know, you're probably one of the top guys that are going to end up calling. And so, uh, you know, you've got to be ready physically. And then your team that you're helping coach, like you said, also has to be ready that you might get that call and, and might be shipped out and, and time to be playing and, and uh, ready to go that week. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I got lucky. I, I was able to uh, get on with my my old high school. Uh, my uh, position coach uh, is actually the head coach there now. So uh, he was a big mentor for me. And, um, you know, not only did he let me come in like three games into the season and, and, and start coaching, but he also um, was very understanding of, of my situation and he was rooting for me. You know, he said, if, if anything comes up where you're, you know, you got an opportunity to do something, he's like, don't hesitate to leave. So um, be, being blessed with that situation was huge because, um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of schools I could have gone into and, and got a job coaching, you know, after the season had already started and then to have the ability to, you know, to leave for a couple of days if I had a workout or to, you know, to potentially leave for the rest of the year if I got picked up uh, was just was awesome. Coach, can you kind of walk us through maybe a, a normal day for you right now, you know, as, as far as, you know, working out, coaching, you know, what, what what is it kind of like for you to, to you know obviously kind of be able to sit on edge there but you know not not only that but dude you I mean you're having to work your ass off to stay you know in in a position to where dude I got to come in right now and I'm going to be making plays against some of the the best athletes in the world yeah um so I'm I'm kind of working out twice a day uh 
what I'm doing for money right now is I'm uh, training some of the local kids around here. So nice. uh, in the morning, I'll go work out with my uh, my trainer that I've been working out with for a couple of years now. Uh, I go there about get there about 7 a.m. Work out till about 8:30 or 9, and then um, you know get some food and uh, kind of do a little bit of of housekeeping stuff with my own little personal training company and you know trying to get the website looking good and all that and then um about two o'clock i'll usually go out on the field um you know i don't have access to a, a weight room to train the kids in so it's usually like route running and, and blocking footwork and stuff like that so i'll go out in the field with them and um you know usually we'll have a quarterback out there so i'll, I'll run routes with them and go through the drills with them and kind of get a little extra work in myself so um it's kind of a, a pretty good situation um you know i'm still i'm living with my parents right now and um, you know, my fiance is, has a good job. She works as a nurse, so she's making good money. So I really just need to make enough money to have some food to eat and some money in my pocket. And uh, I'm kind of set for for the time being, at least for the next couple of months, just kind of waiting to see what, uh, what materializes. That's funny. Does your, uh, does your fiance live with you yet? Or are you guys, uh, still separate houses right now? We're still separate houses. We're uh, we're getting married in February, so we're getting a place then. But for the time being, we're uh, we're about thirty minutes away. So I've been doing a lot of driving too. It's uh, <laughs> that's not ideal. Say, busy, busy days yeah. for sure. That, it just it just kind of brings me back. So the only reason I, I asked that is I'd got married in college, and then we moved back here uh, to my hometown to train. Uh, but then we had, you know, obviously didn't have hardly any money, and then didn't know if I was gonna make it on a, with a team. So you didn't want to buy or rent a house yet. Also, I didn't have a job yet. So I'm also kind of working in, in, uh, in the summer, working with this high school team, but they're also letting me work out. And then we're living with my uh, wife's parents at their house because they live in my, in my old hometown. And so, uh, you know, it just kind of brings me back a little bit of, of living with the parents and, and trying to support everybody else. And then still, uh, you know, working a job and, and, you know, still having those big aspirations although you know I, I didn't make it on with a team I got offered a, a no contract uh with the Texans um you know basically to, you know to be a, a blocking dummy uh during rookie minicamp but um it was it just a it's just a weird a weird thing going on and then uh, I'm sure as as you've also had thoughts of you know also Canada once you know uh, maybe a, a chance to go play in Canada but then if you sign that contract in Canada, you got to be up there for two years. And so just another added uh, question of, you know, where do you go or where do you put your chips and, and kind of just, uh, like you said, a limbo. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been crazy. And luckily, you know, uh, my parents are very supportive and she's very supportive. And I, you know, the uncertainty has been, has been a little tough, but, um, you know, she's, she's supported me through it. And I, I the, the joke I always make is I'll show her the, uh, the Conor McGregor story where he was like a plumber in Ireland and they were on welfare. And I'm like, at least it's not that bad. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to assume, I got to assume the kids um, that you coach now at at your high school is, I mean, to be able to be coached by a guy in in the NFL, um, I'm sure it has a, a certain amount of weight that comes around with it. Is that something that you get to, use and pull from at, at certain times when, when you're coaching these high school kids? Yeah, uh, funny enough. Um, so I was coaching uh, JV wide receivers and varsity tight ends. Uh, and the varsity receiver coach is Tory Holt and the varsity running back coach is Willie Parker. Oh, wow. So uh, they already had a, a good bit of, 
you know, much higher level NFL coaching before I got there. So it was, uh, it was kind of funny. It was kind of like a been there, done that thing, but yeah, they're great kids. And, um, you know, they would always ask me a bunch of, you know, crazy questions and, you know, how much money did you make? And, you know, what was this player like and stuff like that? But it was, it was a lot of fun just kind of going back to my high school and, um, being able to, to mentor and, uh, you know, help, help the kids out. Garrett, I wanted to ask you a little bit. I mean, uh, tight end is a position that that honestly I love and you know it's kind of gotten a rebirth lately you know between being a a hybrid receiver you know guys that that still line up on the end of the line you know when you were training with all these NFL teams you know how many different spots would you have to learn you know I mean I would imagine that it's not so easy as okay I'm the end line tight end and and I have to learn these routes I mean you literally have to know almost every single route within a concept wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, especially when I was with Washington, because I was uh, uh, on the two deep. I was Jordan Reed's backup when I was there. He kind of had his own unique position. So, um, you know, if it was 11 personnel, I was the Y. If it was 12, I had to know the U, which was basically a slot receiver for his plays. And then we would do a a 13 personnel package, which when we did it with the twos, I had to go in there X. So I basically had to know all all of the run blocking, all of the routes at every position. Um, all the pass pro it, it was it was pretty crazy but um you know luckily I had uh I had five offense coordinators in five years in college and we ran pretty much every system you could think of so um, <laughs> I got pretty good at, at picking up on offenses pretty quick and, and kind of learning them uh, conceptually instead of just you know at w- one position what were some things that kind of helped you you know to, to learn those things was there you know, certain certain aspects you had to do or is it just diving in the playbook or just reps? I mean, what, what were some things that helped you learn that? Because I'm always interested in that, too, because, you know, I, I love to have kids like that in an offense and move dudes around. But what helped you do that, Garrett? Um, I would I would say, uh, you know, part of it was kind of the way I'm wired. Um, for, for some reason, for me, it's it's easier to remember a play, like not just knowing like, hey, when they call this play, I know I have this route, but thinking like, all right, so if, if this is a three-man concept and this guy, you know, has the OTB and this guy has the curl, then i got to have the flat route. Um, but, you know, the thing that helped me out a lot, I think, especially in the NFL, was just the, the volume of meetings, um, you know, meeting twice a day, and then um, they give you the iPad with the playbook on it. So I would go back to my, my room after and, and look at that for, you know, an hour or two. So I was, you know, just kind of getting in front of the of the plays for – you know, probably four or five hours a day, you know, even more when you include practice. So just, um, you know, just kind of drilling it in and, and uh, repping it. That's kind of the thing that we ran into that, that I hadn't in the past this year was we used a lot of multiple tight end stuff. So uh, like you said, which is interesting to hear is like, um, so our, our backside tight end on 12 personnel obviously is also our backup, um, you know, 11 personnel tight end so he's got to learn you know the formations for am I a front side tight end and he's also got to learn the different formations you know as a backup uh, you know 11 personnel tight end or the backup front side 12 personnel tight end and then he's also got to learn his own uh, formations for when he's in as the starting and you know like we call our backside tight end like you said the the you tight end and so he's got to learn all of that and then like you said uh as as much different personnel as I'm sure in the NFL and then you're also seeing in college going 20 personnel so now the tight ends also got to know all the uh you know fullback if you will responsibilities run blocking and then 
front side tight end run blocking, you know, stuff and backside tight end. And so, uh, you know, as far as in our offense as well and all the shifts and motions and, and you know, all of that that comes with it, there's just so much for that position in, in football now that, that he has to know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting crazy, but it's, it's kind of like everyone's been going spread with 10 or 11 personnel for so long. And that was what was tricking people and playing with tempo. And now, you know, people are starting to formation teams and motion against teams and um, try and create matchups and uh, get some, you know, coverage in front identify uh, identifications from that, that uh, we're kind of going back to how things were a couple of years ago. And um, it's putting a lot of, a lot of stress on, um, you know, the tight end position. But when you got a guy that, you know, a lot of these NFL teams have, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey, a George Kittle, a guy like that who can do everything. And it kind of makes them impossible to guard when you can set the offense around them and, and set them up for success. Garrett, talk a little bit too about, you know, some of the, the situational things that, that teams are doing. And maybe they did it with you in college, but, you know, splitting you out, putting you in positions to get, you know, matchups and, and throwing you fade routes and throwing you slant routes and let you box guys out. Talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the things that, you know, you did in the NFL and, and maybe you're trying to implement at the high school level too. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think is really cool that we did, we did a little bit of in college. We did a lot of it with the Redskins was uh, we would start and it'd be 12 personnel, but it would look like 21 and, um, you know, it'd be me or, uh, uh, J.P. Holtz, one of the other tight ends we had that played a little bit of fullback, and we'd line up in fullback, and then, you know, we'd shift, and it would go from being like a, a strong right formation, and then all of a sudden we're in uh, like spread or three by one, and everybody's in a stance, and, um, you know, when they did it with the ones, you had, it was Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, who were like two of the best receiving tight ends in the league, and it's like having four receivers, and the defense thinks that they're in, you're in 21. Um, and then obviously when you shift, you get, you know, if somebody comes out there with the fullback, it's man covered. So you can um, kind of do a check with me thing. And we, would, you know, uh, Coach Gruden was really good at, at seeing what they were doing and getting good matchups for those guys who are, you know, freak athletes and uh, taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, I again, I, I love all that stuff, too, especially when you get into the red zone. And, and in high school, I don't know if we see you know, a little bit of man up here, but you get inside the five, five yard line and all of a sudden now, you know, you, you flex a tight end and you got a safety on them or you put a linebacker on them. So, you know, it's man and you put dudes in, in rough situations. I just think it, it's so underutilized. I've said it for God knows how long now. I mean, tight ends are mismatches. And when you got great ones, it's a lot of fun. And the same thing with running backs in the passing game, you know, you're seeing teams like new England really throw to their, to their running backs because linebackers are having to cover guys who are smaller and move better in space. And it's the same thing with tight ends. You got guys now that are bigger can jump a little bit better and, and they can box you out and use their body to make plays. Yeah. I, I've been saying this, like, you know, since I've decided that I want to be a coach, I've always said when I become an offensive coordinator someday, I, you know, obviously this is personnel based, but I would love to have, you know, at the high school level, you know, two kids who are, you know, six foot one to six foot four around there and like 200 pounds, 220 pounds, and they can, they can carry the ball, they can run routes, they can block, and you just line up in 12 personnel and you can do your whole offense out of that and you can pound the ball, you can spread them out. Uh, if you can get, you know, a couple kids like that that are really versatile um, and and you can really take advantage of a defense. And I think, uh, you know, the more that the tight end position becomes popular in the NFL and in college, 
uh, the more it's going to kind of trickle down to high school and you're going to see kids who actually want to play. Because right now, um, you know, it's not a, as popular of a position. It's kind of a kid that you stick there that wants to be playing somewhere else. But I think we're going to get to a point where, um, you know, the high school kids are starting to want to play tight end. Well, that's when it's really cool is when you see some of these not even up-tempo, but some of these no-huddle teams, like you're saying, now you got two of those guys. Now you can be in, you know, uh, uh, two-by-two, or you can get into I, or you can go two tight ends, uh, all with the same personnel. You're not shifting anybody out. Or, you know, you're not, you're not bringing anyone else in personnel-wise, but you're going into um, a 21 personnel look, and then right next to it, 11, then next 10, all with the same exact people. Uh, which which makes it, uh, to me, really, really difficult on a defense. Um, and, and then the thing that you'll run into and hear a lot from coaches, uh, high school coaches, um, is for whatever reason they always say, we just don't have that tight end type kid. You know, we just don't have a, a, a guy that's like that. And and to me, I look up and down the roster and I'm like, I, I disagree with you. I mean, you can make this kid, this kid, this kid a tight Yeah, he's not 6'6 six, six and 220 and runs a 4'5. I get that. He's in high school. but you can find uh, most places at least a couple kids that, like you said, are six one to six three, and and they're you know one ninety five to two twenty that could play that tight end. You could build them into that type of a tight end kid. Yeah, exactly, and that's um, you know, that's something that uh, it took me a while to get to. You know, being a first year coach, but uh, kind of bringing that up to the offensive coordinator at my school. Um, you know, he would he would kind of use that excuse with a lot of positions. You know, we just don't have that guy, and I'd have to you know convince him. You know, <laughs> you know maybe our middle linebacker can can you know come over and play fullback, or um, you know this defensive end that's you know playing you know twenty snaps a game on defense. We could use him at tight end, and um, you know we started uh, you know subbing some guys around and having some guys do a little bit of, of both ways, and uh, I think it helped us out a lot towards the end of the season. I think you bring up a huge point there and, and just you telling the story, but having a coach, you know, there's so many places where we can't find a tight end. And that, the first thing I want to ask him is, well, do you have a tight end coach? Well, no. Well, well there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, having a, having a tight end coach like yourself, you know, who gets it, who understands the value of it and then can give those kids that attention that they need, because I mean, you've already outlined it. We're going to, we're going to ask you to be, you know, a base blocker or a reach blocker or a cutoff blocker, a down blocker, and then you're going to have to stand in a two-point stance, and you're going to have to learn the entire route tree. You're going to have to be able to beat linebackers, to beat safeties. How could you possibly have that position if you don't have somebody to teach them and coach them? There's too many skills involved. Yeah, exactly. And we, uh, before I got there, um, I think it was kind of uh, something they hadn't really thought of. And then when I called, when I called the coach and asked if I could come help out, he, I think it kind of it clicked in his head. He was like, "Well, now we have a tight end coach, so maybe we can start." <laughs> Um, you know, thinking of guys that we could send over there with him and um, actually, you know, make it part of our offense. And we started running, um, you know, a lot of uh, one-back power um, with the tight end off the ball. That was kind of our bread-and-butter play. And, um, you know, we ran a lot of uh, a buck sweep uh, with the tight end pinning the DN and, and pulling around on the outside with the tackle. And, uh, you know, that was stuff they weren't doing before I got there. And um, it was – it was kind of cool. It you know, kind of made me feel good that I got there and we started being able to run the ball and, and getting the tight ends the ball and some play actions and stuff. Uh, you know, my, my probably my proudest moment was uh, our first playoff game. We were down seven, I think, with a couple minutes left. And uh, we had been running a bunch of uh, 
we ran our, ins- or our inside zone with ISO, so the tight end would insert and, and block the linebacker, and we ran a little uh, ISO pop pass to the tight end, and he went like 80 yards for a touchdown. Yes, and I was like, I was like, we would not have ran that, you know, if if, <laughs> if we didn't have a tight end coach. So I'm going to take credit for that one. <laughs> he wouldn't have even been on the field. <laughs> yep. Well, I, that's one of the easiest things. I, I'm glad you brought that up. In, in 11 personnel that I can't believe people don't do more is, especially against a four-man front, is you get an 11 personnel, and if they want to play a nine, you run one back power. If the guy wants to play really tight or you know, either a shade five nine or he wants to play a tight six to stop one back power, you run pin and pull out to it and let him, uh, you know, cave that six or that uh, seven down. And it just seems so simple to me in, in those numbers that, especially when they want to play, uh, you know, good coverage over the the two receivers, they just don't hardly have enough people unless they're, you know, the strong safety that they're going to walk down over the tight ends, a, a really good tackler, which you just don't see a whole lot of in high school. Yeah. And we, the way we ran our offense was really cool too, is, um, you know, it was kind of our, uh, we kind of lived by it and died by it to, to say it to put it in those terms, but we gave our off our quarterback a lot of um, a lot of uh, power with, with calling the plays. So we would uh, every every run play the receivers would have their run rules, which were routes they would have, and um, the quarterback could just catch the ball and throw it to him at any time, or he could he could check the play. Um, so we basically taught him how to count how to count the numbers in the box, and um, towards the end he was, he was looking at you know defensive alignment and stuff like that. So you know we had some games where he you know was just off and you know called check stuff the terrible stuff but we had some games where he was you know basically calling the offense for us and you know they couldn't line up in the right thing on defense we would just gash them coach what would you say some of the things you did you know being a, a younger guy you know j- just out of out of college you know what, what were some influences you had what were some maybe concerns or, or things you had to work on when you first you know go from kind of being that player to having to to kind of be a coach you know did you kind of rely on you know, guys that you had learned from in the past? Was there a certain college guy? Was it maybe any of the NFL guys? I mean, what, what were some things you leaned on to really kind of get you started on that, that coaching track after you'd been playing for, you know, the last six, seven years? Uh, yeah, uh, my kind of my main philosophy I wanted to have going into it was something I learned from uh, Walt Bell, who was my tight end coach at UNC. And uh, he actually just got the head, head job at UMass. Uh, he was offensive coordinator at Florida State last year. But uh, he used to always tell us that he was going to be honest with us, no matter uh, if it was, you know, if we were going to like what he was saying or not. So, um, you know, you always get the kids who who aren't playing a lot, and they come up to you and and uh, you know tell ask you know, coach, what can I do to to get on the field? And um, you know, as as much as it was hard to tell, you know, a kid, you know, it it wasn't as easy as just you know work harder. I would tell him, you know, well, honestly, you're going to have to. You know, you're going to have to just get better at catching the ball. You're going to have to get a little faster, a little bit bigger. You know, you're a freshman, you got time. And, you know, I think some of the kids didn't, didn't necessarily like that. But um, I think if they if they listened to what I was saying and actually, you know, applied it and, and worked on it, it's going to make them better in the long run. Um, and I think that they'll end up seeing that uh, over the over the next couple of years, especially if I'm able to, to, to stay at this school for a while. But um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, and then, uh, the thing I struggled with the most probably was, um, trying to have to, to maintain that superiority, I guess, um, you know, only being in high school, 
uh, like six years ago, five, six years ago and being in this, in their shoes, trying to, uh, you know, be a, a, a leader more so than like a peer almost, you know, I got, I caught myself kind of joking around with the kids on the sideline every once in a while when they probably should have been paying attention. That was tough. And, um, you know, speaking up in, in the, in the coaches meeting rooms and stuff. And, um, you know, as a player, you kind of, you listen and you try to learn everything you can, but, uh, it took me a while to kind of adjust to the point where I was, um, you know, considering myself an equal with the rest of the coaches. And, you know, um, I was able to to give my opinion and my input without feeling like I was like interrupting or uh, speaking out of turn. Yeah, that's, that's was to me was the big balancing act was like, how much do you talk in meetings? How much do you not like as far as coaches meetings? Cause it's like, first, you're not going to talk very much. Then you get a little more comfortable. You say a little bit more. And then eventually I got to the point where I was talking way too much. And then I started feeling that. I was like, okay, I got to, I got to knock that back down a little bit. And then it's kind of feeling that rhythm with who you are in that offensive staff with how much do you input? How much do you keep to yourself? Cause it doesn't matter that much. It's all kind of that balancing act and that feeling out act of, of, um, of how much do you input and how much do you just sit there and, and do what you need to get done? Yeah, I don't. I think my first my first coaching meeting. I don't think I even I even talked. I think at the very end, the offensive coordinator had to had to like call my name and asked if I had anything to <laughs> to contribute. Um, but uh, yeah, by the end there, I got really comfortable with all the guys, and um, it was a great group of coaches, and um, you know we all got along really well, and and uh, you know I started feeling comfortable suggesting stuff and suggesting stuff in the game. I think that was when it when things started clicking to me is when I was able to you know, come, come to the offensive coordinator in between series and tell them that, you know, maybe the, the corner is playing really far inside and we could run, you know, the, the 12 yard bench route against them. And, you know, we had that and then we could get them with the out and up eventually. And, you know, he started, you know, listening to me and calling that stuff and it was working. It kind of gave me some confidence to be able to speak my mind a little bit more and um, not be so, so reserved. So when you're playing, uh, did you guys ever run? I'm sure you did. Kind of probably a dumb question, but um, you ever run any either toss or pin and pull where you were off the ball, either like in bunch sets or um, I think a lot of the NFL teams are are taxi and cab and truck, but where you're off the ball and they're they're pulling the tackle and and you're off and you got to block down on the defensive end. Uh, You know, we've done that a little bit at our high school and and, uh, I think we get better at it, but I don't have a great, coaching cue or tip for that tight end because it can be a tough block because you're off the ball so you've given that defensive end an angle if he's upfield too hard um, and you don't take a, a hard enough step down and a hard you know tight enough angle then he's going to beat you underneath and then if you go you know sell out too much to block down and he and he reads the tackle pulling over the top of your face now he's up over the over the top of you which is where you definitely don't want to get beaten. So uh, if you guys have ran that very often or if you've ran that very often, what are some maybe even some mental coaching cues that you gave yourself or, or what was some good things that you got from a coach uh, when you did have to do that? Uh, yeah, I think the, the first thing is, is whether it's, uh, you know, we would run it as a toss and we would also run it as like kind of like a wide zone uh, handoff. So you had to know which one of those it was because obviously the toss I would have got would have got out there a little bit faster. Um, so on the toss, it was it was really just truly a crack. It was just um, you know putting your your face mask in the outside via the neck is where we would we would put our landmark. And um, as long as you got him to run inside of you up the field, 
Uh, we would say that our backs were, that was why our backs were on scholarship or we're getting paid what they were getting paid. They would get outside of that. But, um, you know, the one where, where they're handing it off was a little bit different. Um, and I think uh, our coaching point was to make it look like power, like it was a down block on power, but to keep your hat on that, on the outside via the neck, the outside number. Um, so you were covering up uh, the DN and trying to get a, a vertical push on him and making him feel power so he wasn't playing outside right away. And then, you know, after uh, I think it was like three or four steps or something, I can't remember exactly what it was, you would uh, lock out that outside arm and start working that outside hip up the field to, to pin him in there. And then, uh, you know, our final coaching point was if he did start to win over the top, not to hold and to use a, a rip technique, so rip that backside arm through and uh, try and get him on your back and just hold him in there long enough. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, especially in the NFL, you almost never get the guy pinned. You just got to cover him up and run him down the line of scrimmage and the back will make you right. Um, I, you know, I think that's the most important thing is just to not, not uh, let the guy get penetration, just cover him up. How much did you end up using that rip technique? And is that something that you guys worked a lot in practice or is it something that you kind of just ended up working into as, as you did it more? Uh, I think it was one of those things where, you know, the first day we put the play in, uh, everybody was getting beat down the line of scrimmage across their face. So, like, the next day, pre-practice, we started working on it. And we did it, like, pre-practice and post-practice. And that was that's kind of how we did it. That was the last we saw of it. But we'd work into practice. And, um, you know, I would, especially when I was with the Redskins, I did that all the time. And, um, you know, it, it kind of sucked because everybody was running. All those linebackers and stuff were running so fast that you would almost always turn your back to them and rip, and then you'd get, like, ran over and just get thrown into a pile. But uh, my guy didn't make the tackle, so that was what was important. <laughs> I love it, though. That's a good coaching point because I think that's that's always kind of one of the things that the guys get caught, and we've, talk, we've said the word limbo a few times. You get kind of caught in limbo, you know. Do I, do I smash this dude down? Or this guy's really, you know, playing playing across my face. So now you tell him, well, hey, just don't get beat across and, and pin him. But I think I like what you're saying, you know, be, be aggressive, attack the V of that neck. And if the guy does fight over the top, hey, here's a technique for you to just, you know, hustle your ass off, rip this dude, and just make sure that he's, you know, not going to get to where he wants to get to. Yeah, exactly. I, I think finishing blocks is, is – if you had that mentality to, to always finish and play through the whistle, um, you know – uh, one thing that that uh, Coach Callahan used to say is is you never know like when that last little extra shove or you know maybe you lay out for a guy and you you might get that cut right at the last second the bat the ball cuts off of you for a touchdown uh, you know you just never know until the until the ball carrier is on the ground so just just playing to the whistle and um, sometimes it's unorthodox but just doing what you can to cover your guy up and and give the running back some space. How would you guys meet when you were with the Redskins? I know you mentioned Coach Callahan, the, the O-line coach, but you know, how often would you guys meet with the O-line and then maybe break off? Was that something you did every day? Like, hey, first meeting of the day, we're always with the O-line. Second meeting is more pass game. How would that kind of break up? Yeah, we would usually – like we'd, the meeting sessions would go uh, – we'd go uh, team and then we'd break up into uh, groups, offense and defense. And then with so offense and defense, we would do uh, – Coach Gruden would go over the seven-ons for the day, and then we would go uh, – we would break up with the offensive line after that and watch um, any inside run or um, pods, which was like uh, – I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It was yeah, yeah. Like usually tackle and tight end on a D end or something. But mm -hmm. no, we'd watch anything like that where we were working together 
um, any pass pro periods or anything like that. And then we would, we'd break up uh, just tight ends and kind of watch the teams and, and the ND film and that, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we were with the offensive line a good bit and, uh, you know, you learn a lot with those guys. They, they're really crafty when you get to that level and uh, you, you see them do some stuff and film and hear, hear the coaches teach them some stuff that you've never heard of before. And, uh, really uh, kind of helps a lot. And the good offensive linemen don't just, don't just, you know, straight up block the guy. They always have a little, a little something extra to, to give them an advantage. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you kind of touched on the uh, pods because that's, that's kind of what we call it too. And I'm not sure if it's exactly the same, but uh, like you said, we'll, we'll go tackle tight end, uh, left guard center, and then right guard, right tackle, and then let our D line, uh, fit in, get in where they fit in basically, and then we'll switch, put the tight end on the other side, let left tackle, left guard work together. And so, uh, but it, it was really beneficial for us this year. We'd do it two or three times a week, beginning of practice for, you know, five, 10 minutes. But uh, it let us go full speed with our D-line a little bit. So we'd get some full speed reps, got us better, but also kind of mitigated the chance for injury where, you know, obviously if you're going full five on four or five on three, whatever it is, there's so many more legs and bodies and people getting thrown and there's such a higher chance for something bad to happen where when you're working those pods, you still get to work your double teams, you get to work pin pull, you get to work inside zone power, you, and you can kind of make it whatever double team you want to make it by what, you know, what play you want to call. So uh, we worked that a lot this, this year and it was really beneficial for us to be able to go some full speed against our D line. Uh, but, but like I said, mitigate some of that risk. Yeah. I, I really liked it just because of the number of reps we were able to get to, um, you know, I think on a, a, a typical, you know, 10 minute uh, period of pods with two, with two tight ends working in there, I think you'd get like 14 reps or something if we didn't have to repeat anything. So, so, you know, to get that many reps at, at, at your, at your base run plays in such a short amount of time is huge. Cause you know, especially, uh, in training camp when we were, you know, three deep at, at, at tight end, uh, you know, you'd probably get to get, you know, one or two run plays a team period. So, uh, it was, it was, you know, crucial that we were able to get those reps and, uh, you know, helped out, helped out a lot in, in, in my development as a blocker for sure. One of the, one of the more interesting things that I've, I've seen, it was, uh, last year, I haven't got to watch a ton this year, but is there's a few NFL teams that'll go, uh, like two tight ends, but they'll go empty third and long. Uh, especially against some really good D, uh, D ends and put their uh, tight ends like 12, but they'd put them in off, let both those tight ends chip and then get out into their route or, or help the tackle as basically an extra tackle, but they're off the ball. Uh, have you, have you guys, you know, have you ever got to use that either in your playing days or, or even uh, coaching wise? Yeah, we use that a ton um, with, uh, with the Redskins and, I think the reason they did it was because Vernon was so fast that they could actually call like real routes after each shift. Hmm. You know, usually you'd, you'd ship and you just go out in the flat and it kind of, you know, unless, unless they drop everybody, it eliminates a, a receiver. But we would have him chip and run like, you know, 12 yard pivot routes and corners and stuff. And Jeez. you know, sometimes the, the DBs would just lose him. I think uh, the touchdown he scored on Thanksgiving, I think he chipped before he went out on that corner route and he was wide open. So, yeah, we we did a lot of stuff like that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I liked it because the DNs wouldn't see you there, and you got a chance to take a shot on a guy that would probably you know beat your ass if you went up against a one on one and pass, bro. 
No, what, no. Hey, how did you guys call that, Garrett? When you when you guys did call Chip, was it was it like a part? How would you guys call that part of the the protection? Because I'm always interested as to like you know how they'd call that protection. Yeah, so we usually did it with our two or three jet protection, which I I think was yeah uh, just our five man protection. I think the back free released on that. Maybe it was six man protection, but uh, when we just called bang before, it would be bang two jet or bang three jet. And if you were in that position, uh, you knew that you were chipping before you got out. So it could be like a bunch formation with the tight end off the ball like that, or it could be uh, two by two snug or something like that. But yeah, just bang, bang two jet, bang three jet. I love that two by two snug. I think uh, there's been a, you see that a bunch right now in the NFL uh, and letting both those tight ends be in there and, and see a lot of zone seal or even some counter with the extra guy coming. It's been, uh, that, that's kind of been uh, the, the interesting thing. Me and the OC at my high school have been really looking at, and we put it in a little bit more this year, but you let those guys get in there and, and you tighten it up. And then like Walls has always said, he, he's always really liked the, uh, some of the routes that you can get um, from those uh, you know, those bunch sets. Yeah, I I know that I've been uh, watching a little bit of Chiefs film just because I'm such a big Travis Kelsey fan, and uh, they do that all the time with him. And, I, you know, he, like, usually they put him uh, – they figure out where the best pass rusher is going to line up, and they'll put him over there. So he's, like, just teeing off on, like <laughs> – you know, I, he killed T.J. Watt one time. I was watching him play the Steelers, and um, – <laughs> You know, I think you got Von Miller pretty good a couple times last time they played the Broncos. So it's it's uh, you know, I don't I I don't think he's the the greatest blocker, but he does. I mean, he gets to take some shots on people there, and uh, you know, makes the DN slow down and helps out the tackles. I love it too, and I I love uh, I think the the Packers were the first group that I saw do it, but they'd start moving in uh, an H back against a lot of these, you know, the the teams that get in their pass rush packages. And they, you know, they, they bluff double A gap blitz. So you got th- double threes, double fives, and they're twisting and they're doing anything. But moving that guy and putting him almost like really tight in a sniffer, almost an A gap. So if they are going to bring those those double A gap, you know, linebackers or they're going to try to pick the center, now you had a guy right there. He's almost like that kind of that sixth offensive lineman. Did you guys ever do anything like that or practice anything like that in, in mini camp? Or was that kind of just a game plan deal? Uh, I don't think we ever did it with the tight ends. I think there was – I can't remember what we called it, but there was something where if we saw the double A gap, um, I think the Jets did it to us a good bit when we had joint practices with them. We'd, we'd put the running back up an A gap like that. Okay. Nice. Um, and it just helped out a lot. I mean, you got like, you know, Chris Thompson, who's a pretty small guy, trying to pick up um, like Darren Lee, who's like 240 pounds, running like a 4-4 right up the middle. <laughs> it's better if he doesn't have that head of steam. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, uh, Coach, kind of my, my big – I always kind of fall into some pet peeves, and and uh, a lot of times it's just that when you get a bunch of people saying one thing, for whatever reason, I'm kind of a contrarian, and I start thinking the other thing. But I think it's kind of cool that you come on and we can talk to you about it is kind of right now the big thing is, um, you, you know, the, the guy's not transferring. So the guy at Alabama, he didn't transfer, and no one should transfer in college, and you should just stay at the same school you're at. and and loyal, even though the coaches never are. And, and, and that's kind of like the big thing right now, at least on my timeline on Twitter, and kind of makes me be the contrarian and be like, I know a lot of guys transferred from one school to another and ended up working out really well for them. And then I also know some guys that transferred into college and, and uh, they did it for the wrong reasons. But um, was, that a, was that a tough, difficult 
decision for you to make. And then obviously it worked out really well for you and you got to play a lot more football uh, doing that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. And I actually, um, you know, I've gotten the opportunity to, uh, you know, to talk to a couple kids via social media that have kind of reached out to me and, um, you know, uh, guys going into college this next year and they're in a similar position where they were, you know, had the opportunity to walk on at like a power five school and then they had some smaller offers. And, um, you know, I think if you're going to, if you're going to transfer down a level, I think that's, that's definitely uh, advantageous. You know, um, the whole Kelly Bryant thing, I guess the grad transfer thing, I guess if you want to put a blanket tag on it is, um, you know, getting a little out of hand, but you know, it's, it's also the same with the, uh, sitting out in the bowl games and stuff. You get the people who are complaining about it. Aren't the people who are trying to live out a dream and play the game that they love and, and make money doing it. So, um, you know, as a guy who transferred and had, had success with it, I'm all for it. And, um, especially if you want to take a chance at trying to play at a power five school as a walk on and, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can go to an FCS school and not have to sit out and you're really, you know, probably better off for it as, you know, red shirt and at a, you know, in the SEC or ACC or something and going up against the starters every day, as opposed to, you know, maybe playing a little bit as a freshman on special teams or not, not good in that same competition in practice. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of rambled a little bit there, but I'm all for it. Um, the whole transfer process. And like you said, there's been some guys that have had a ton of success with it. And there's been some guys that have had, you know, are probably worse off for it. So I don't think you can, you know, say that it's necessarily like hurting college football. Cause you see guys all the time that'll transfer somewhere and fizzle out. Um, you know, you can't, you can't just assume that because somebody was, was pretty good somewhere and they're going to transfer to a school that's, that's already really good. And that's going to make that school even better. And, you know, no one has a chance of beating them or anything like that. Um, you know, we, you've got to play the games and you got to show up and work every day to be successful. So, um, you know, I, I, I think people, you know, deserve to be in the, the best chance, the, the best scenario for them to have a good chance of being successful. Uh, but at the end of the day, they got to put the work in. I couldn't agree more, man. I think you guys bring up some great points. I mean, the last two Heisman Trophy winners were both transfers. <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone's cheering cheering these guys on, and they have no problem with it when it works out. And then all of a sudden, you know, a you know, kid on their favorite team transfers. <laughs> and now, you know, the, the kid's a bad kid or, you know, this happened. He doesn't want to work. They come up with all these reasons when in all actuality – you know, if, if if you weren't getting paid what you wanted to at your job doing whatever, you'd go get a new job. You know, or if, if someone was treating you unfairly or your boss left who hired you. And there's so many extenuating circumstances that I think people don't ever take into consideration. All they think about is how how well their favorite team makes them feel on Saturday. You know, when North Carolina loses, my week sucks. And that's all I care about, you know. And, I think it's it's unfortunate that some of these people really can't think of it for what it is, man. If it was your son or your daughter and they wanted to go someplace to, to be successful, by all means, you'd do everything you could to, to help them make that happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think a lot of college football fans in particular get caught up with the fact that, that the winning the games is more important than, than kids' lives. You know, these are people that are playing and um, you know, they're not getting paid for it. They're getting a great opportunity to get a good education and they're you know, nowadays probably getting some stipend money and, and, you know, um, you know, free housing and all that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're trying to get, 
higher than college football or they're trying to be in a, a better situation for them. I know a lot of kids that, that have transferred for uh, family reasons. They've had a sick relative or want to be closer to home. And, um, you know, it kind of it, it bugs me a little bit when you see fans that'll that'll bash a kid for um, for leaving to, to better themselves because, you know, you see coaches leave all the time. You see, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you see administrators and, yeah. and you know, people like that leave all the time so I think you know uh we live in a world where everybody is is you know trying to one-up each other and everybody wants to be as successful as possible and um you know I, I feel like nobody has the right to to bash anybody for that well and I think uh it's really easy for whatever reason I I don't pretend to know why but it's really easy to to you know bash some college athletes and forget that they're I mean I get that they're uh, old, they're almost adults, but really they're still kind of, I mean, they're kids. They're 18, 19 year old, you know, they're teenagers. A lot of them still are. And, um, you know, sometimes the ways pe that, that people talk to them or, or act towards them. And it, it's just, I don't know, it, it's a bad deal. I don't, it, a lot of times it's not right. And, and I would assume in, in person, they wouldn't talk that same way to a 18, 19 year old kid and, and not necessarily even other teams it, you know, when other teams' fans make fun of you and stuff, you, you kind of get it, and it's part of the game, and it's fun. But uh, just some of the things that just being around that that I've heard said to teammates and other people from, from uh, a, you know, 50-year-old men, that you're like, you're saying that to a 19-year-old kid because he, you know, missed a pass, you know, last Saturday? It's just kind of a – it's a weird, weird deal. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of not not trying to change topic here, but – uh, I see that with you, you reminded me of when you said, you know, people getting yelled at for missing passes and stuff. It's hilarious to me when, when, uh, you know, a fan will yell, you know, catch, catch the ball or, you know, make the tackle. And I'm like, I want to turn around and be like, have you ever like tried to do that? Like you're running the route full speed and somebody's right on you and you're about to get tackled and you got to catch the ball or you got to tackle some, you know, big running back running full speed at you. Like it's not easy. We're, we're trying our hardest to make the play. <laughs> uh, I know I, you get some of the parents that come in you know and the, the ones that, that watch football on the weekends and all of a sudden they're an expert and you know they're telling you the plays you should run after you know they get to see it not work you know <laughs> the, the armchair quarterbacks and the hindsight's twenty twenty. but I just think it'd be hilarious you know like when they say catch the ball if I could go to their place of work it'd be like you know turn, turn on your computer you know <laughs> Just yell do, at them for yeah. Do your do your taxes. You know, basically what they're yelling at us. I mean, I yeah. I think some of those those coaching points and things they yell are just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I love I love the uh, the little community on Twitter right now of like everybody wants to be a like a film analyzer and like post their <laughs> you know filming their TV and breaking down the plays and stuff and it's like completely one hundred percent wrong and it's like you know just some guy that uh, has like 12 followers and i'm just like cracking up at it like yeah you're uh you think you know what you're talking about i'll just let you have this one bud well they're they're breaking down um you know tyron smith or some uh freak tackle or or whatever it is and it was one play that he's ever had and he what you know the guy beat him because the other guy's a you know an all pro and they're like yeah look see his knees flared out here and he's got a bad second step <laughs> you're like screw off man and it, it's it's tyron smith yeah okay he had a bad snap but 
uh, for you to be able to try to break down his technique is is laughable. No, see, yeah. that's why it's because his uh, his lead toe was pointing at a thirty degree instead of a forty degree angle. Yeah, it has nothing to do with Khalil Mack running full speed <laughs> right. right up underneath his chin. <laughs> I, my other favorite one now too is all the draft analyst, analysts you have. Yeah, there's all the all the Mel, new Mel Kiper juniors out there on, on social media. So you know they, I got I got this guy ranked thirtieth. You know, and then if if the guy gets drafted, you know, thirtieth or something like that, all of a sudden now he's the expert. You know, because he got lucky. <laughs> Yeah, the internet is a, a weird place for sure. <laughs> There's no doubt. So, so, um, so what's what's it look like? Uh, I think right. I, I don't know a ton about the rules and stuff, so I, I would assume you can still get picked up right now in the NFL. But obviously, later on in the season, the more it's going to look like, uh, you know, getting picked back up after the season when the rosters expand. Um, is, is that something that you're you're looking at doing? Uh, you know, when, when season gets over and those rosters expand and they got to sign some more guys, uh, you know, trying to find a spot there or, or you lean in more towards, uh, you know, trying to start your coaching career. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it till, uh, I guess right before the draft, I think is when they start to kind of do that stuff. Um, you know, my agents are still working really hard right now and trying to find stuff for me. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, high school or maybe even college, uh, if I got a chance to do that, wouldn't start uh, the season till you know, July or whatever. Sure. Um, but, but right now, I think a good opportunity would be this new Alliance of American Football League. I'm trying to trying to get on with them. I, nobody really knows how it works because it's the first year. So yeah. <laughs> I have no idea, like, how to, to get scouted by them. My agents are trying to figure out what they can figure out. So, um, you know, right now I'm just posting workout videos online and tagging all the teams in it, and maybe that'll work. I don't know, but um, you know, I'm gonna try and do that. I think their season starts in February, so if that doesn't work out, um, you know, I think I think my agent's pretty confident that I could get on a 90-man roster again. And um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, it's one of those things where I've always wanted to be a coach, and I'm very excited to start that that chapter of my life when it comes. But I know you only get to play you know, for so long. So I'm going to try and try and ride this thing out and, um, you know, see, see what I can get out of it before I, I completely move on. I'm really excited about that new league because, um, and, and I can't think of any of them off the top of my head, but sounds like there's some, I mean, some real, real deal, you know, offense coordinators, defense coordinators, real coaches, you know, ex NFL, big time ex college coaches that are, it's going to be, I mean, really good football. I'm excited to even see what, you know, uh, different offenses and different tweaks that that can be made when when maybe there's not as much pressure on those coaches uh, and really lets them open up you know their playbook or their their mindset about the game. Yeah, I mean it's uh, a couple I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Spurrier's coaching a team, uh, Mike Singletary's coaching a team. I think Michael Vick is the offensive coordinator for a team. Like some wow. pretty big names, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what what everything looks like are they going to run you know college type systems are they going to run the nfl stuff like i've been thinking a lot about this obviously because i'm trying to plan it like I, what, sure. what what ball yeah. are they going to use are they going to use a college ball or a canadian <laughs> ball or i don't know it's a, like whether i'm playing or not I, i'm pretty excited to watch the first games when they when they start and just see what it's all about because i think it has a chance to be you know pretty legit i think it doesn't doesn't interfere with the nfl and i think it they kind of uh, can can form a relationship and help each other out a little bit 
Um, so it might be it might be a cool cool new thing, at least as a as a football fan, not even as a player or a coach, just to have good football on on the TV for the whole year. Yeah, because they're running this in the spring, right? So start I don't know, was it February or March? Yeah, I think they start the week the week after the Super Bowl, and I think they end like the week before the draft. So it's literally like, you know, once it's over, then they'll be into like the rookie mini camp coverage and the training camp coverage and all that. So you have football on the TV pretty much year round, which is the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with the Redskins and it's just kind of a guess, just with who the coaches were, I would, I would assume that the playbook was, you know, a little bit more of a, a wordy playbook, uh, long plays and some of that stuff uh, as far as lingo goes. So was, uh, if that is true, was that a, uh, was that something that you, that took a little time for you to get used to uh, all those things or, or is it more, because uh, I know the, the idea behind it, I think, is to be very specific for what each, each um, spot is doing. And, and so was it actually a little bit easier once you kind of figured out the, the reason behind, you know, the different words and, and uh, different positioning of, of things in the play call? Uh, yes and no. It was, <laughs> uh, it was easier until you got tired and your eyes started to, like, glaze over in the huddle and you started to zone out for just a second <laughs> and then you think he's calling one thing and then like you you miss the little minor detail the little tag or you didn't hear your route or something and then you're like oh crap I have no idea what I'm doing and that's not a good feeling <laughs> G- give me give me you're an example a rookie. Of like, give me an example of like the longest play call that you guys had let's see you'd have like uh, it would probably be one with like a shift so we'd have like Let's go lab lab to box right, which would be our bunch to the right, and we would take the, the running back would be split out to the right. He would motion into the backfield. And then we could go uh, foozy, which would motion the whole bunch at once to the other side. <laughs> and uh, what was a good bunch play? we go bang three jet, uh, NASCAR, uh, zebra driver. So it would be <laughs> – let me think if I can get this right. The point guy would be running a clear out like seam. The outside receiver would be running a 15 to 20 yard dig. The tight end would be chipping and running an eight yard pivot. And then the zebra, which is what we call the slot receiver, would be running uh, a shallow cross. But uh, drive would be just a shallow cross. Driver means it's wider. So that would, that would put him out uh, in between the numbers and the hash instead of on the hash. <laughs> good lord yeah better be paying attention to the huddle i guess you're right and i think we'd actually attack the guy running the dig route on the nascar so you'd have another tag in there too Jeez. yeah that'd be uh you know like, like i said that'd be uh like you said if you're if you're a little bit tired there you better really be keyed in but um uh-huh. man, pretty wild well, uh, you know, we're yeah. coming up on an hour. I know we've taken up a lot of your time, but, but uh, the way I like to end, you know, kind of all the episodes is uh, I like to kind of ask my, my last question, which is uh, when you're watching, you know, another team's offensive line, so either as, as a coach or when you were playing and watching some film, either way you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's, what's some things that they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, yeah, this is a question I prepared for because I've listened to you guys show a lot. Uh, so when I was at Richmond, my junior year, we had John Garrett as our offensive coordinator, who was uh, 
he was an OC at, at uh, Oregon State one year, and he coached tight end for the Cowboys, so he coached Jason Witt. And he, uh, he's kind of the reason I wanted to be a coach. But um, to make a long story short, his, his like, catchphrase was, do you love football or do you just like it sometimes? And he would always ask us that, and he would always, you know, try and get us to, to love football and to play, like, with enthusiasm and effort. So uh, the thing that I look for in offensive line particularly – is uh, are they following the ball? Are they sprinting downfield? Are they helping each other up when someone gets knocked down? Are they uh, the first guys in the end zone when we score? Are they celebrating? Um, you know, when you watch them on film, his thing would be he wanted the other team, uh, their coach, to come up to him after the game and say, wow, those guys love football. Um, so that's kind of what I look for is, is that. And then uh, the other thing, I guess, would be um, – you know, how they do against the blitz and against twists and stunts. Are they communicating? Um, you know, if you see them, you know, somebody disguise a blitz and send somebody that doesn't look like they're coming, do they pick it up? Or, you know, are they able to pass off and, and, and bump bump off uh, like a twist or a stunt or something like that? Um, and, and it just, you know, when you see it and it's all smooth and, and everybody, all five guys are working together, it's a thing of beauty. So, you know, I think those two things are, are what I would look for on film and to know that, uh, that they're well coached and, and that they play well. Awesome. Awesome answer, uh, Garrett, man. Uh, I know you, you're going to have a, a couple of new fans here from the guys at, at RTP, whether you, you make it uh, continue playing or you, you get into the coaching profession, man, like I said, we'll be a, a couple of guys following you. We appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. I've, I've been listening to the, to the podcast for, you know, probably six or seven months now. I think I've heard every episode. I listen to it when I'm driving back and forth to my fiance's house. So <laughs> appreciate you guys giving me something to listen to. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss, in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.